Giants, what I'm about. And what I'm about is an old school physical mentality. Okay? We're going to put a product on the field that the people of this city and region will be proud of. Because this team will represent this area. We'll play fast, we'll play downhill, we'll play aggressive. We'll punch you in the nose for 60 minutes, we'll play every play like it has a history and a life of its own with a relentless competitive attitude. What's going on, everybody? Good evening. Welcome to Big Blue Avenue. I'm your host, Tom Scavetta. Join alongside my co-host, Hank and Dictor. Hank, it is really, really odd to not have Sam here with us tonight. But how are you doing tonight, my friend? I completely agree with you. I'm I'm doing pretty well. How about you? I'm always good to talk about our G-men coming off the victory over the hated Philadelphia Eagles, I got to say. Yeah, we're going to have a lot of fun recapping a win tonight. And for those of you who don't know, Sam Cardona will not be on our Facebook live streams the rest of the season. She is still a part of Big Blue Avenue, though. He'll just be catching her on some non-live pre-recorded content on our YouTube channel. And we'll try to cut up some turnover tea and play them in our live streams for you. And Sam will be in the comments section tonight. Shout out to her and all the hard work she's done for us this season. She's going to be missed on these weekly live streams. But before... We get into the meat and potatoes of our show. Make sure to go follow us on all of our social media platforms on the ticker below. And that does include our YouTube channel. Want to comment? Any questions on the Giants? Feel free to comment in the live stream. We'll be happy to answer your questions for you. And we have two very special guests tonight. The real football fans of New Jersey, Caitlin Brower and Katie Guagliardi, will be joining us at 7.30 p.m. Eastern time. I'm very pumped and excited to have both of them on, Hank. This is going to be a great show. But without further ado, let's dive in to this Week 12 recap against the Philadelphia Eagles. We had Sporty Jordy on last week, and boy, was she confident. She was talking like Philly was going to win this game, like it was a better done deal than a Philly cheesesteak. And you know what? The Giants won. They won ugly, but a 13-7 win. Wins are hard to come by in the NFL, especially, you know, for the Giants this past decade, so I'll take it. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, it was funny. I I ran into Brian last night at MSG, and we were talking about the game. He had his friend who was a Philadelphia fan, and I was telling him there's nothing really for me to gloat about. But at the same time, having said that, it's hard to, to not feel good about this win because this was a classic old-school like defensive struggle, but – to see the Giants come out on top, that was def- that definitely made me feel good, and obviously, it, it did. It didn't. It didn't come without a cost because not only did you lose Darnay Holmes, but you also had Daniel Jones hurting his neck, and his status about for this week's game is in doubt. But we're hearing that there's still a chance that he may very well be playing on Sunday. But nonetheless, it's been a long time since the Giants won back-to-back games against Philly. Matter of fact, it was at the end of 2007 until 2008 was the last time they'd won at least two games in a row against our hated squad. So 
definitely felt good and nice to always nice to send those birds home unhappy, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I'm so happy the Giants won this football game. But in the first half, it was in typical Giants fashion. They go down, they kick, they kick the field goal after a long drive. Graham Gano puts the Giants up 3 nothing, And then, boy, I love the entertainer's Twitter feed throughout the course of this game, just bashing Jalen Hurts the entire game. One of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL, in my opinion, throws three interceptions in this game. His first was picked off by Darnay Holmes, and they were in the Giants' red zone at the five-yard line. Holmes snatches it, runs it back, and he is hit in the ribs by starting left tackle Jordan Mylida, 350 pounds, and unfortunately – when the Giants make a good play, something bad usually happens, and Holmes had to be transported to the hospital at halftime because he had trouble breathing after taking a shot to the ribs. So that was definitely a big blow for the Giants. A slot corner who we haven't talked about much this season in year number two, and he's been starting to come on. It's a real shame, but players like Aaron Robinson and Julian Love really stepped up to the table on Sunday, Hank. Yeah, definitely. I think – our secondary in particular was really good against the Eagles. But besides them, I think Xavier McKinney, X is going to give it to you. That guy was also clutch now. Yeah, X is going to give it to you. Another second-year player that I really like. Tight spot championship wrestling John Rankin. Oh, hell yeah, the double trouble duo. Uh, we are a trio, John, but we are double here tonight. There's the missing member of our trio, Sam Cardona. Hey, Sam, how are you? Um, yeah, we miss you too. We, we definitely miss you too. That the bottom yes. part of our screen is empty right now. Um, it, so it, it doesn't look right. Something is very wrong with this picture. Yeah. <laughs> but Sam, we appreciate all the hard work you've done for us this season. And obviously we're going to continue to work together on our YouTube channel, putting up some pre-recorded content and maybe you'll see Sam on some live shows in the future. Just maybe X going to give it to you. John agrees. Uh, Sam is out making that bank. Uh, true that. So Giants are up three, nothing. They get the ball back another good drive and they have to settle for a long field goal. Cause Matt Sierra had a penalty and Graham Gano misses a 51 yard field goal. And Graham Gano, I think he overachieved last year. I mean, this is who he is. He's a really good kicker, but he's not a superstar kicker. He's not Justin Tucker level. Um, he's not Harrison Butker level. You know, he's Graham Gano, and he's going to miss kicks once in a while, and he's having more of a typical Gano season this year, Hank. I mean, actually, if you look at the last few years, he's been mostly pretty accurate. I mean, I don't want to bring up too many bad memories, but this is the same guy who kicked the 63-yard field goal. We won't mention who the opponent of that game was, but still somebody I would trust in clutch kicking situation more than others. But you know what? 51-yard field goal miss, honestly, I'm not complaining. It, it it happens every once in a while. Like, not everybody in this league is Justin Turner or T Tucker, you know? Yeah. Um you know, I definitely agree. Now, here's my thing. Uh, the Giants go on later, and they couldn't score any more points in this first half, really. Uh, Philadelphia driving down the field late in the red zone. Again, Jalen Hurts throws another interception, this one to Tay Crowder. And in typical fashion, the Giants go into the locker room 
on this game, on this day, with a great first-half defensive performance leading to the Ring of Honor induction of Giants legend number 92, Michael Strahan, at halftime, who also had his number 92 jersey retired, Hank. That was amazing. I I think, actually, he might have been on one of the original lists of the Ring of Honors, but somehow his 92 was never officially retired for all those years, which I actually th- – I. It's funny I, I say this because I thought his number was, like, retired all these years once they, like, put him in the Ring of Honor. But I guess the Giants just never, like, gave him a formal ceremony. So I'm glad it finally happened. And you know what? To beat a certain rival that you and I both have certain feelings about, like, not, and I didn't say they were great feelings, like, I think it was definitely a good tribute to Strahan to have a great defensive performance like that against the Eagles because – I have to say, this guy was by far the best defensive player of our lifetime, without a doubt. He really good at pressuring quarterbacks, and not just that, a true emotional leader. I always have images of him during the pregames doing that hand stomp, and I will never forget those immortal words. Seventeen, Actually, no, I'm going to alter his emotion, immortal words. 13-7 was the final. One touchdown. Well, we weren't world champions, but we won. 17-14. You know what I meant. Yeah, you're referring to this week's game. Correct. Correct. I'm trying to think of better memories. Trying trying to reach for the stars there. Me too, me too. Um, Defense brought a tear to Sam's eyes. Yeah, look, it was great. And it was uh, suspect at times because they let the Eagles drive down the football field. But when push came to shove, Hank, what did they do? They bent. But, they but did didn't not break. break. <laughs> oh, and it was scary in the second half. So the Eagles' opening possession, Miles Sanders had a nice 27-yard rush, and then fourth down, Jalen Hurts terrible pass intended for Jalen Rager. Giants get the ball back all of a sudden, and then Chris Myrick. Not only does he score his first career touchdown, but his first career catch is a one-yard touchdown reception. This guy was only playing because he was promoted from the practice squad due to injuries to Kyle Rudolph and Caden Smith, Hank. So the fact that Chris Myrick made this touchdown, you saw talking Giants on Instagram go crazy. The real football fans of New Jersey who are going to have on in just about 20 minutes, I'm sure they went crazy. Chris Myrick has more touchdown catches than Kenny Galladay and Kadarius Toney. And he has the same amount of touchdown catches as Andrew Thomas. Isn't that amazing, Susan? Too much. I see what you did there. Um, But yeah, fan knows what what reference I just made. You got to let those feelings out, Hank, as John says. Got to let those feelings out. Hey, Jr. I not only do it every Sunday, but I've been doing it a lot for at least a better New York team right here. So there you go. (laughs) Hertz throws his third pick of the game after this drive. This one to X-Man, Xavier McKinney. But the Giants go three and out. Give the Eagles the ball back, and the giant killer, Boston Scott, scores a touchdown, bringing the deficit to within three for Philadelphia. And now the Giants are up 10-7. I'm doing the same thing I did last year, week seven. Oh, no, here we go again. Boston Scott's going off. Giants are in trouble. But um, Giants tack on another field goal, 13-7. And then Boston Scott fumbles in the fourth quarter. A play, I think it was, I want to say Crowder stripped it and Dexter Lawrence recovered. Um, Boston Scott coughs the ball up for Philadelphia's fourth turnover of the game. 
and eventually the Eagles had one last chance to heave to Jalen Rager, dropped, and Big Blue wins their third consecutive home game, Hank. I mean, there's nothing like a Giants win, but there's no better feeling when you beat the Philadelphia Eagles, especially with what the Eagles did to the Giants last season. Maybe not what they did to the Giants, but just what they did. I mean, listen, Philly looked absolutely awful in this game, but it didn't matter because when the Giants couldn't capitalize on that fumble recovery, the Boston Scott one, I still, when I was watching that game at one of my favorite bars, like I was, I still had that little bit of doubt creeping up. Like, oh no, here we go again. Cause I have seen that movie like way too many times. And to be quite frank with you, as much as I enjoyed this game, and as I said, there is nothing like beating the Philadelphia Eagles. That, as I've said numerous times, is my most hated NFL team without a doubt. The fact of the matter is, there's no reason this game should have been close. Like, granted, Daniel Jones didn't have his full set of receivers and weapons on him, but like the fact that the Eagles still had that last chance and they were like driving and Jalen Hurts could have had that touchdown at the end to Jalen Rager had he not had butterfingers and had they maybe had a better quarterback. It still left me feeling like, like, you know, we kind of stole one, you know? Yeah. I mean, a lot of Eagles fans thought they should have won the game. I disagree with that. I mean, look, I think you turn the ball over four times. You don't deserve to win the game. The Giants almost lost the game. That's what happened if we're being honest, but let's go over some pros and cons. One positive from this game. Uh, well, why don't we just get into it? He's a third-time New York Giants player of the week. We were alluding to him just a few moments ago. He had a nice interception off of Jalen Hurts in this game. And, Hank, I fluffed up the graphic just a little bit, and it's X-Men, Xavier McKinney. Yes, and I love it. Why don't you talk to me? Why was X our player of the week? Now, while our secondary, for the most part, was a big reason – that the Giants won this game. To me, this was another no-brainer. He had a 90.5 coverage grade per pro football focus. He was also the top safety in two of the last four weeks. This guy is absolutely on fire, and he is probably, I'm going to go on a limb and say he's definitely one of Dave Gettleman's top draft picks for sure. And let me give you his numbers for this week. Eight tackles, one pick, two passes defended, he only allowed one reception for 14 yards. Absolutely amazing job. And on the season, he's got five picks, 61 tackles, nine passes defended. Quarterbacks have only made 57% of their passes when targeting him. And you know what the scary part about this guy is? He's only 22 years old. He was drafted out of the second round. And six picks in his first 17 career games, this guy – He's going to be here a while, and 100% of the defensive stats in every every game since week four. Tom, I'm going to be honest with you. I think this guy might very well be one. You could very well make a case that this guy, in my opinion, has been the Giants team MVP of the 2021 season. And I would imagine when we do our season recap much later, once the season concludes, he's going to be pretty high on my top 10 Giants list without a yeah, I mean- doubt. Right now, there's nobody else I could think of because the offense has been horrendous. And defensively, this is the first player you think of. Uh, so McKinney, quarterbacks are barely completing 55% of passes against him, 57%. Uh, 
and six picks in 17 NFL games, and he has not missed a defensive snap since week three. He's played every defensive snap since week four, um, and his coverage grade is outstanding, which is something that former safety Landon Collins lacks. So X, ladies and gentlemen, is our player of the week. Sorry, O'Shane, you don't get that nickname anymore. Uh, ooh, comment section blowing up. And Alec Walt, I remember before the 2020 draft, you were calling this out, second-round steal. That is correct because this guy should have went mid to late first round easily. He should have oh. went there easily. Oh my gosh! When they when the Giants took him in 2020, I was pretty ecstatic. I'm like, I'm like, wait, wasn't this guy supposed to still be to not be available at this point? Yeah. Again, you could call it luck, as in him falling on her hands, but it doesn't matter. I still say it's one of Dave's best draft picks, without a doubt. And quick shout out to Alec Walt. Make sure to go like and subscribe to his YouTube channel at Down the Block Sports. A lot of excellent content that Alec puts out daily. And John says, Hank, Tom, and Sam, the best unsigned giant supporters I know. Well, John, you're about to be introduced to two more big giant supporters in just about 10 to 15 minutes. So stay tuned. As you can see on our ticker below, the real football fans of New Jersey will be joining us at 7.30 p.m. Uh, Caitlin and Katie, very excited to have them on. Um, Aaron Robinson was a diamond in the rough in this game as well. Six tackles, two passes defended, and one quarterback hit. And the play I remember, Watkins, and he just breaks it up. Like, he literally saved the touchdown late in the game. If you remember, I think Hertz took a shot with about 30 seconds left towards the end zone, and Aaron Robinson was right there to break that play up. So good job, Aaron Robinson. And good job, Julian Love as well. Kid got half a sack, and he had a pass defended too. These Love filling in for Peppers, Robinson filling in for Holmes. The Giants have a lot of depth in the secondary, and it's showing because these two players outside of Xavier McKinney were probably uh, two and three in our player of the week search this week. Yeah, if it wasn't for the for the X-Man, you could definitely have made a case for those two. I think their performance in this game was definitely underrated. And that that fumble recovery at the end, that was that was pretty huge. So I think definitely the secondary I feel like the secondary has actually gotten better over the course of the second half of the season now. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think it has uh there was a little concern that Dory Jackson did leave the game uh with an injury. Uh, he is questionable for Sunday. He did not practice today, which is not a good sign. And we already know Darnay Holmes was placed on short-term IR. But some other pros for this game, Patrick Graham, his defensive scheme really forced Hurts to throw the ball a lot. And that was a big difference in this game. Uh, Jordan always, and not just her, but other Eagles fans complain that they don't utilize Miles Sanders enough. I don't know what it is because it's not like the Giants were beating them around the bush the entire game. They lost by six points, Hank. So the fact that Devontae Smith only had two catches for 22 yards, you got to give credit to James Bradbury. The Giants defense has now recorded a takeaway in at least eight straight games for the first time in a decade, and they have forced the turnover in all 11 games they've played this season. So the defense has really been outstanding. Hank, there must have been some omen with Michael Strahan because they didn't win on Eli Day, and there was a lot of pressure to win on Strahan Day after that. Well, again, if I had to do it all over him, I don't know if I would have scheduled that ceremony to be against the Philadelphia Eagles because, you know, I'm pretty sure there was a significant portion of the crowd that was wearing green. Disgusting. But 
in any event, I still thought Strahan's presence, I don't know what it is about that guy. He just, as I said, he's just an emotional leader. And one of the reasons why he is in my top five favorite giants of all time list, like he just has that aura about him. Like every time you see him do that stomp, you, you know, it's on, you know, you know, we're going to stomp you out. And what's really interesting for me is looking into some more of these defensive stat lines here. Second time in the last three home games, visiting team does not score a first-half touchdown. Jalen Hurts completed under 50% of his passes, not even 130 yards, and a 17, 17.5 passer rating. That is horrendous. And Dallas Goddard, the Giants apparently can't cover tight ends. Richard Rodgers blew us up last year. You know what? Dallas Goddard had one catch for donut amount of yards. No that yards. never happens. Never happens. <laughs> Sam says, I asked Fonz and Kyle this on Tuesday. Are the Eagles an actual good team? Because they didn't look good against us at all. Um, Hank, I think you agree with me when I say this. They're not. No. They're not, they're not a good football team. They've been bailed out a few times in some of these games, and they've gotten a little bit lucky with their schedule so far this season. You know, they took advantage of, a Saints team that was missing Alvin Kamara, Jameis Winston. Uh, you know, they, they've they done a good job in the first half of the season managing their schedule, and now their schedule is much easier in the second half. So if we sit here and say, well, if they make the playoffs, they're a good team, that might not even be the case. They might be a bad team and make the playoffs with the schedule of what's in front of them. But after the way they performed against the Giants without Tony, without Shepard, uh, without Rudolph, Caden Smith, there's no way this team makes the playoffs, especially with Washington coming on now, Minnesota. You could stick a fork in Philadelphia, and that's sad. The Eagles are one game better than the Giants in the standings. Well, now technically half a game. Giants have a better shot than them to make the postseason, and that's not saying much at all. That's um, exactly it. That's exactly it. And let me let me bring this up, too. Because if you look at the games that they've won, Jalen Hurts won their didn't win their games with his arm. No, it's because teams couldn't like contain him with the run. One yeah. of the things I told you that I was nervous about because we've seen in years past the Giants historically have had those games where they'll struggle with the running quarterback, but in this particular game, Patrick Graham came up with the scheme that forced him to throw the ball a lot. If teams watch this game when preparing for the Eagles, they're going to see that the more you make Hurts throw, the more you realize he's really he's more, way more vulnerable than you think. And I think the 17.5 performance tells you pretty much a lot that you needed to know about him. And look, there's a reason that not too many people were very high on this guy to begin with because you you look at you look at his time in college, he got benched, he got benched for Tua, and then you look at his time in the NFL, like running I'm sorry, running quarterbacks do not last long. That's not by accident. Yeah. No, you're you're right. And you go up against a defense that forced four turnovers, only give up seven points. We talked about it perfect fitting to Michael Strahan Day and Freddie Kitchens. His play calling appears to be better than Garrett's. Galladay. Yes, he only had three catches for 50 yards, but two of those catches were for big gains, and he was targeted seven times. So you never really know how many times you're targeted if you're being targeted often, but you know when you're not being targeted enough. 
And that's the difference between Kitchen's play calling and Galladay's play calling. Say what you want. It wasn't great from Freddie Kitchen's, but it was definitely an upgrade over Jason Garrett's. And Daniel Jones had a better game too. No interceptions. I mean, hell, Chris Myrick scored a touchdown. Nobody even knows who this guy is. And the discipline on the offense. Only two penalties the entire game. No turnovers. So in my eyes, the offense looked much better. Yeah, definitely. Really did. I completely agree with that. I don't – again, I think the score was probably more because Daniel Jones had his limitations. You didn't have a good chunk of your, like, weapons. And, yeah, I I don't really – I think all things considered, Freddie Kitchens definitely did a better job of trying to move the ball and get more guys involved. Unfortunately, you – you're not going to see it on the scoreboard because of certain instances that were out of his control. And again, if you remember, if you recall the video I made when Freddie kitchens was hired in the first place, I said the same thing regarding the game that he coached against the Cleveland Browns. Like they, he threw the ball more, like he was able to spread it around. The problem was that game. He didn't even have Daniel Jones. So it's not like, it's not like he was the reason they lost that game. I think he's definitely better than, than Jason Garrett, not saying he's, he's like, a major upgrade, but at least he's doing what he's yeah. supposed to do. That's all I'm going to say. Walt has a question asking if he can start Saquon moving forward in fantasy. Um, you kind of have to because, well, no, it's not even a question. You have to because he's still one of the best players in the NFL. I'm starting him in one of my leagues, negative runs or, or not. He's always going to break out for at least one or two big runs a game. And you're going up against a Miami defense that has a decent front. We'll get into them a little bit later, but look, the game plan is going to be Saquon. Even if he's not having a good day running the football, he's going to catch passes. You know, remember, I believe this was his first, first or second game back since the injury. So it's going to take him a little bit to get back into the swing of things. And if the running isn't there, they're still going to check down to him. And if you're in a PPR league, yeah, obviously he's a, a must start. I mean, Unless you have a really good running back room on your roster, Walt, I'd say start him. But moving on, the Giants now have three straight wins at home and have yet to lose a divisional home game under Joe Judge. Hank, that was a fun fact you pitched, and I I found that very, very interesting because the Giants have lost a lot of games since Joe Judge has been our head coach. Yeah, but, you know, it's it's pretty crazy how how successful they've been, and – What's also like crazy to think about is you mentioned the three straight home games. Remember early in the season when we said, oh, the Giants just can't win in MetLife? I guess that narrative's kind of been put to rest a little bit now. Yeah. I think you very well might be right with that. Um, consecutive wins against the Eagles for the first time in nearly a decade and a half. There were some negatives from this game, uh, only 264 yards of offense. Again, it wasn't a good offensive day for either team. Uh, yeah, only two and a half yards per carry is not going to do it. Give credit to Eagles linebacker Alex Singleton, 12 stops and three in the backfield. Giants were outrushed 208 to 70, and the Giants only scored trips not to mention going three for 12 on third down typically won't get you to beat many football teams so uh they're lucky they went up against Jalen Hurts Hurts had 77 yards rushing Boston Scott had 64 
And Miles Sanders also had 64. So the Giants couldn't stop the run. And Hank, you know, we talked about Riley Dixon. He had a great game last week. The special teams wasn't great either. Riley Dixon had uh, not maybe not a poor performance on Sunday, but definitely a subpar one, averaging just 39 and a half yards a punt. And then Gano missing that 51-yard field goal. The special teams as a whole, it seemed a little off. I mean, they're missing key pieces, right? Nate Ebner's been out. Carter Coughlin's been out. So I think that's a part of it for sure. Yeah, definitely. I think injuries have been – well, I don't like to make excuses saying, oh, injuries are the reason the Giants have like a losing record. To say that they have affected the Giants this year, that's not an excuse. That's a fact. Mm-hmm. Like I think if you have a – Darnay Holmes has low-key been one of the better players in the se- in the secondary, and for him to like make that play – and then get injured. That's that could be a pretty big loss. Now it could be. And Corey Jackson's been one of their bigger acquisitions, like among safety. Like if you lose him, that's also not good. It's really a shame because we're talking about Adoree Jackson last week. He was the guy we we're most concerned about getting hurt defensively, at least during the season. He's one of the few guys that have been healthy. And this game, he goes down. So not a good sign. But our defense over the last five games third best in the in the NFL in points allowed, and eight interceptions from this defense in the past five games. And look at the quarterbacks we've went up against. Yes, Hurts and Darnold were two of them, but Derek Carr, not the flashiest name at quarterback, but he doesn't typically commit turnovers. Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady are the other two. So the defense can dominate when they force the opposing quarterback to throw the football. So that's something that I really take away from this game and Hank. The Giants currently hold the sixth and seventh picks of the 2022 draft. Um, hopefully one of those picks stays in the in the top ten at least, but not the other. Obviously, you'd like to see the Giants win some more football games. But any other takeaways you had before we bring up our two guests for the evening? No, I mean, I think we covered everything. I think if the Giants can force other quarterbacks to throw the ball more often than run, that's when you see the defense in better shape because Lord knows as great as our defense is stopping the run has been one of their biggest kryptonites by far. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Stopping the run has been a big liability without Dalvin Tomlinson, but at this time we're going to bring up our two guests. Very excited to introduce both of them. The real football fans of New Jersey, Caitlin and Katie. Ladies, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Of course. We're happy to be here. Thanks for having us. No problem. Absolutely. Um, My first question is just tell us a little bit about yourselves and the podcast that you do. Um, I know you typically air Wednesdays at 730 and you're on all social media platforms, correct? Like the big four. Yeah, so for social media, for our live stream, um, we live stream out through Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Um, but then also, too, just from a social standpoint, we are on um, Instagram as well. So we don't, we used to live stream through there back in the day, but unfortunately, we actually use StreamYard too. Uh, unfortunately, we can't go, can't go through Instagram on there, but. <laughs> How are you tonight, Katie? Thank you so much for joining us. I, um, I am stoked. great. I'm great. Um, yeah, the real football fans of New Jersey. We're definitely, we're a little bit of a unique podcast. Um, yeah. The fact that we cover two main topics that are two loves of ours, 
uh, football. Obviously, we are two New York Giants fans, lifelong Giants fans, but we do cover football, college football, all of the NFL, and we also cover the Real Housewives. Hence <laughs> our name, the Real Football Fans of New Jersey. So we kind of cover, you know, two very different topics, but we find a way to make it work. We, we're coming up on four years this month of doing it, and so it's it's been a fun ride. Hey, be honest, like we've had some like very interesting crossovers, actually. Yeah. So there's more similarities in football and housewives than people think. Uh, one in particular coming up, uh, Tiki Barber's wife is going to be on the real housewives of New Jersey. She is one of the new housewives coming in. So a lot of crossovers there, but it's just, you know, two of the things that we love, you know, Katie and I have grown up together. We've known each other for, I just turned 30. We've been friends for 30 years. So for a decade now, and you know, someone just told us four years ago, we don't like Tiki Barber. So get that shit yeah, out I mean, of here. No, I don't like them either. <laughs> you, can't, you can't talk shit on Eli and get away with it. Sorry. No. Tiki. Never, never. Um, so yeah, people just told us, you know, like you guys should should start a podcast. And four years ago, we just went live on Facebook for the first time, and it's been that that ever since. It's been amazing ever since. So yeah, that's awesome. Congrats on the four years, by the way. Thank and, you. Um, our third co-host, who's not here tonight, unfortunately, she just wants to say hi, Sam Cardona. Uh, I know she was. Yes. I follow Sam on Twitter, so we've interacted before. So I wish you were here, Sam. But we'll keep talking through Twitter. <laughs> Absolutely. That's um, great. Now let's get into the X's and O's a little bit. Um, I know both of you are very knowledgeable about the team, and I just, I believe, Caitlin. I know you were at the game, Katie. I'm not sure if you were, but uh, what was the experience like? On Sunday, obviously an ugly. Oh, I wasn't win. there. I wish I was. I wasn't oh, there. Oh, okay. I think I saw, <laughs> I saw a picture. Maybe I know you're at one of the recent games, but yeah, you know, uh, what was the game yeah. that I was at? Oh, I was at. Oof, I was at the Rams game. I try to not remember that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, the main takeaways. It's uh, you know, you guys touch on it. Like we were in the waiting room listening to you guys, yeah. and you touched on a lot of great points. I think you know. The biggest takeaways were that we were very excited to see like kind of what the offense would look like under Freddie Kitchens. You know, I wasn't expecting, you know, the best offense to come out. Um, I think if you want to compare the offense to the defense, the offense showed up and was on TV for 60 minutes. The defense actually showed up and played a football game for 60 minutes. So that's what we got on Sunday. Um, so it was a defensive game all around what I saw offensively is, you know, maybe a little baby strides in the right direction. Um, you know, we still don't have a run game, but there was a little bit more creative creativity, you know, with passing and things like that. So I don't know, but I got to call out my boy, Xavier McKinney. He's a Bama boy. This is an interesting pod for us to be on now because right behind me is my Tua Alabama Jersey. So I'm a huge <laughs> Bama fan, huge Tua fan. So I, but I can't see him succeed this weekend. But major shout outs to my boy Xavier. Told Katie before the show, uh, or before, excuse me, before the game, that if he gets another interception, I'm buying his jersey. So he is, and we're very weird with buying jerseys. So just to set that precedent. <laughs> um, but he will, yes, I'm actually, it's hard to find it, but I will be buying his jersey. Yeah. Yes. Good call. My uh, my takeaways, honestly, is that I feel as though if you were a part of the Giants locker room and like this week you're watching tape on the game, 
I honestly feel like they could have come away with like six interceptions. Mm -hmm. Um, There were so many like opportunities, uh, dropped interceptions actually, but they played phenomenal. And again, on Xavier McKinney, like one of my takeaways is also huge snub on winning NFC defensive player of the week right there. hundred percent should have won it. hundred percent. That was, you know, it was a defensive win. So hats off to them. They played really well. And although it wasn't fireworks for the offense, they did enough. They were able to get some drives, at least chew up some clock here and there. Um, But obviously this is a defensive win for the Giants. And we'll take any wins however we can get them. So, yeah, absolutely. Anything you want to add on that, Hank? Uh, I know we're talking X's and O's here, but I know you always bring the fun facts. Were, were, were there any fun facts that, that really caught your eye? That struck? I know we mentioned that Joe Judge has never lost a home divisional game as head coach of the Giants, so that's been interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, no, I think we pretty much covered everything. It, the as, as Katie and Caitlin alluded to, the offense did a good job of milking out the clock when necessary. They weren't spectacular by any stretch, but at least I saw a little bit of improvement compared to what compared to what that redhead gave us over the past like (laughs) season and a half. So I stood up for Jason Garrett before the season started. So I I know, I know. I I did. I did. And I'll, I will admit it. I will never go back on anything. I said, everyone's going to always have the receipts because we are, (laughs) all of our stuff is out there. We can't hide from it. So I a hundred percent defended him going into this season, but let me just throw my phone across the room. I'm getting too much text. <laughs> from is it from Jason Garrett? <laughs> no, 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 no. It's, it's all good. <laughs> I would hope not, right? No, no, thank God. <laughs> um, yeah, but now this to win that and just move on, finally get a divisional win, heading into Miami now, which obviously a big game on Sunday, Daniel Jones mm-hmm. or not. Um, I mean, obviously we'll get into that in just a moment, but uh, this is the technically it's the extra game this year. So we usually play an a- AFC division folks. If you're watching uh, yep. every year, Miami is the extra game because they both finished in second place in opposite conference divisions. I guess that's mm-hmm. how that works. Right. And mm-hmm. yeah. historically we're pretty good against Miami seven and two haven't lost to them since mm-hmm. 2003. And Hank, I believe we played them in London as well, right? You're saying something yes, about that. Yes, yeah, that was the ugly, rain-soaked win in 07 yeah. at Wembley Stadium. That was actually the first regular that. season game in London, fun fact. And remember that season like it was yesterday and probably better than what I had for breakfast on those days. But <laughs> in any event, I would – believe it or not, this is actually only their second trip to Miami since my birth year of 1996. And oh. it's – yeah, no, I, it's for all the history that the Dolphins have had. Yeah. I'll tell you another fun fact. The Giants have never lost to Dan Marino. Okay. Wow. All right. Yeah. All right. That's a nice one. That's I'll take that vibe into Sunday. percent losses came against, uh, against Dan Marino. Take that, Dan. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't, yeah, we don't know whether it's going to be DJ or Glennon, um, but Kayla and I were saying this on our podcast last night. We were like, this is a, you know, with what we've got left on the schedule, like this is a winnable game. It is. And so it would have really, and hopefully would still be nice to have Daniel Jones playing in it. However, we did address the fact that if it is Mike Glennon, you know, it's not completely outlandish to say that we still have a shot at winning. So, you know, there yeah. there are worse backups in the league. Mike Lennon has had experience as a starter in the NFL. 
He obviously played a game for us this year. Um, so we would obviously love for it to be Daniel Jones, but I think we still, I think we still have a shot with Glennon. We do. Absolutely. I agree. Yep. You know, Katie, bring up a good point too, because Mike Glennon has been around the block a few times. He is yeah. a veteran. Uh, what concerns me though, is Miami is on a four game winning streak. They beat Carolina, but uh, we look at their last four games. They beat the Panthers, Texans, and Jets, three not so very good teams. I mean, the right. Giants beat the Panthers and then right. they had the one win against Baltimore. Um, but, you know, I think for me, Starting Mike Lennon, that that's not the biggest concern for me. For for me, it's watching Jalen Phillips get three sacks last week. Yeah, that defense forced three picks. So I think both tackle positions are going to be real key in this mm-hmm. game because yeah. it is definitely concerning with the weapons Miami has on the. I mean, we can get to Jalen Waddle later in his performance last week, but Jalen Phillips is a guy the Giants were looking at, and he's been good. Emmanuel Ogba's been good. And their defensive tackles are good, too. Zach Sealer and Christian Wilkins, they have a really good defensive line. Very underrated, too. Like, yes. those are players we really don't hear much about in the NFL. And I think it's players like that that kind of just blue-collar workers. They show up and, yep. they do the, and they do their job. It's the kind of people we need. That's the <laughs> the line we had back in 07 and 2012. Yeah. I mean, you're right, because that's – they don't the line is never what is being showcased on the front of like the new york times no one's ever like espn's not covering these big boys but they get the job done you explained that perfectly they are blue collar workers and they're coming in and doing their damn job and it sucks because they are doing their job and i don't think that our line our offensive line is going to come out and do theirs like they haven't all season the biggest thing that frustrates me from this entire week is the coaching staff still defending Nate Solder and not putting, and I always, uh, I, I always say Matt Perm, but I think you pronounce his last, it's, I think it's different. I think you pronounce it differently, but we all, I'm wor- the worst with pronunciations. But how can you defend someone and say that you have seen his progress? And we're all watching, you know, that's the fun thing about being a sports fan and understanding the sport. You don't have this insider information as a head coach. We're watching it week after week. So don't lie to me and say he's improving because he's not. So that, you know, I fear that on Sunday because our line's not going to show up and it's a very impressive defense and they, they, it's blitz city in Miami. So like Mike Glennon, like put your strong pants on because you're going to get come this way, that way. Anyway. Yeah. I mean, Joe Judge said, Hank, he's been pleased with the play of Nate Solder. I mean, that, that that's comment. Just, that's no. like a complete, that's no. full, like, I, that's, no. I can't. No, I don't. Listen, I, I respect Joe Judge, as I think you, you'll probably see from us talking, like, over the course of the rest of the show. But, like, sometime, every now and then, there will be moments where he st- says stuff to the media where it's like, I just, I don't buy it. Like, you know, like, there's no way you can tell me, like, First of all, I don't even th- – he never should have been starting over Peart in the first place. That's yeah. just me. And yeah. the only reason I'm saying Peart. is because Peart's a young – I think that's how I got it right now. No, you are right. It is Peart. Yeah, because I say Peart. I always say Peart. Whatever. Say that term. Term. Well, to be fair, no, you're right, though, because I have yeah. – yes, it is Peart. I'm, like, pretty sure. So To be fair, there's a legendary drummer with that same name, yeah. so I have to remember that they that it's pronounced differently Neil. than the Rush drummer. Peart, Peart, just protect yeah. our damn quarterback. It's all I care about. No. <laughs> At the end of the day, he's a young guy, and he should have been yeah. playing more often than Nate Solder, yeah. who 
we all know isn't going to be back next year anyways. There's no way they're they're going to buy out his contract, I would imagine. So, yeah, I, I would rather let the young guys develop. But I don't know. That's There's a lot of things this franchise does that confuse me. It is what it is. <laughs> yes, it's true. It's like you never know with this team. And Steve agrees, one of our commenters, Judge might be smoking some good stuff. <laughs> Maybe, maybe. I don't know if it's good stuff. It might be, you know, a little bad. Uh, yeah. Because <laughs> he's know. not making much sense. No. Um, <laughs> and obviously the Giants signing Jake Fromm to the practice squad this week. Yeah. So another quarterback who has already been elevated to the 53-man roster. Right. So, Hank, that's really concerning. Um but it's a real shame because Daniel Jones, it seemed like starting to hit his stride a little bit. And then an injury like this, it just it really makes the Eli Manning haters look really, really bad. We because the they took him for granted. The guy never missed the game. Right. And now we're dealing with a quarterback who hasn't played a full 16 game season yet. And Hank's pulling out the OG right there, right? Yeah, God, that's oh, I've got my thank you. I've got my thank you. Uh, fits me anymore. I missed the memo. I didn't. I don't. <laughs> it's an Eli no, Manning podcast. Going off all my different jersey collection here, Tom. I know. Tom I was going to say you've pulled out like a hundred so far. So Katie and I, we just have bad luck with jerseys. So we, what we want to do now is just go go old school. So we yeah. can't. So Eli, I only, and I always get um, like my, one of my first jerseys is OCU Manure. I'm obsessed with him. So love I like him. those, love him. I love those types of guys. I don't normally go after the wide receiver, the quarterback, but I did say once Eli retires, I will buy his jersey. I bought it the day he retired. Um, and then we just have bad luck. I have a Jason Pierre Paul jersey. I have a Landon Collins jersey. I just, I struggle with the jerseys. So, and I know Katie's got some random ass yeah. jerseys too, which we thought these people would be giants for life. Yeah. And it just really backfired on us. Who are some of the ones you have, Katie? Yeah, we were very, very, very close, both of us, to getting customized jerseys that said snacks on the back instead of the We Latin were like, American. literally, it was this close. Like it was in our shopping cart. And then he was, and he left. Like a couple months down the road, gone. And we were like, holy crap, we almost had snacks jerseys, which we still love him. Like we oh. probably. Yeah. them, but it was close. So now yeah. we, now we basics, you have to like sign a long-term contract or you have to just like your career is over. You retired as a giant. Now we'll go get your Jersey. Yeah. yeah. I even found this one not too long ago, believe it or not. Oh my, oh my God. God. Wow. That's a good one. But that's what we have to do. Like we have to get like an original yeah. Lawrence Taylor, a Frank Gifford. So I already have the original stray hand. So yep. I wore that on Sunday. So that was my Jersey yeah. of choice for Sunday, but we just have to go old school. Except for now I, I have to buy an Xavier McKinney. Yeah, I'm sure a, it, so. yep. I, well, I was going to say, since you're an Alabama fan, I, you would, I was going to say that would be sacrilege if you didn't get one of your Alabama guys too. Yeah. Well, well, listen, I got Landon right away and I was the only same. one in giant stadium that one game with a Landon Collins Jersey. No one had one in the beginning. Everyone was still wearing their Tiki Barber jerseys. And I was like, <laughs> ha, but now it's not that good, but I could always take it to a store and get Collins off and put peppers Maybe on the peppers. back. But yeah, I get a little, little concerned peppers. about that one. So. The contract uh, expiring. Yeah. I mean, I haven't yeah. bought a Jersey in, four years it's, yeah. it's That's just that long. And when you're, when Dave Gettleman's longest tenured players that he's brought in are Nate Solder and Riley Dixon, that's hard. 
tell you. I mean, those are the third and fourth longest tenured players on this roster right now. That's, yeah. That's not a good sign. No, not good. But in any event, speaking of guys on the roster and guys that Dave Gettleman drafted, so if if you you'll you'll tell from later on in the show, Tom and I are big Daniel Jones supporters. And I gotta ask, are you are you two among those who believe in Daniel Jones? And do you think he should be playing on Sunday? Well, I, I think injury, I, I, I get concerned about the injury. Yeah. Like I really, yeah. but I'm Me also too. a little concerned about the news on the injury this week. You know, day one, it's he's done. He's going on IR. The next day is that, well, like we don't really know, but Mike Lennon's going to start. And now he's practicing and their things look positive. So like, that concerns me a little bit. How are we going from IR to he's playing on Sunday? Like that confuses me a little bit. We are hundred percent Daniel Jones supporters though. Um, I it's, I don't, I, I need people to understand like he's growing into his position. I think he's done everything he's need to has needed to this 2021 season to prove that we extend him and we take him forward. He's done everything so far. I don't need these last six games to know that he's, he's done yeah. it. He's proved to me what he can do when he throws an interception and everyone goes and cries, go look at the interception list. He's not even in the top 20, you know, your boys friggin' Lamar Jackson, you know, Patrick Mahomes, they're all up there with 10 interceptions on the season. And you are going to come at Daniel Jones, who was at five or six before he did throw those two. So now we're getting up there, but in this past week, your favorite quarterbacks already threw more interceptions as well. So I don't like when people that happens and everyone goes cries. Um, he clearly got a neck injury from powering forward. So he's showing that he wants to move the damn ball down the field. So he's done everything I need to see. I would like to keep him. And for me right now, he is my franchise quarterback. I'm a Daniel Jones supporter with a, with an asterisk next to that. Um, I think I'm open to other opportunities. I know a lot of people were saying this was a make or break year for Daniel Jones. And I, and I understood why people were saying that, but I also look at the quarterbacks that are going to be coming out in this upcoming draft. And I really don't like any of them. So that makes me want to stay with Daniel Jones. Mm -hmm. And as long as he is the quarterback of the New York giants, hundred percent going to support him. I love that. He reminds me so much of Eli help like transition, like <laughs> the sadness of losing Eli into getting somebody who was basically like a clone of him. Right. Yeah. Um, that really helps. <laughs> however, I am open to opportunities in the future, whether it be through free agency or, you know, a better quarterback draft class. I'm not willing to say that, like, I want him forever, but as long as he's with us, I a hundred percent support him. Yeah. I think that's totally fair. I'm, I'm the same way pretty much for the most part. I think, I'm definitely among those who see him as a guy who could very well be our franchise quarterback for a long time. But the one major red flag for me, and this is kind of a hot take, but for me, the red flag for me was the injury possibility more so than the turnovers. I always thought the turnovers could be fixed over time. It's just when you have a quarterback who has a tendency to run the ball, that sometimes gets me a little nervous that he's going to But no it. one's going to be Eli Manning. So we oh, need no. to Eli's and we need to accept that as Giants fans and it sucks and I don't want to accept it. Like let's just like <laughs> put like Eli in this thing where he never ages and I we mean, get him had, for the next You had somebody years. like you had somebody like Russell Wilson, you know, who was started all those games. It's and and now obviously he's had injuries this year. It is so rare for any quarterback yeah. in this entire league to be able to do what Eli did, what Peyton did, 
it just doesn't happen anymore. Yeah. Um, but of course, with a guy who's like a dual threat quarterback who likes to run, you know, it's it's more at risk for it happening. Um, and the pressure on these quarterbacks to be dual threat in this day and age, yeah, they, they all they have, they to, all have to have these youngins to be able yeah. to do it. Yeah. yeah. And then the older they get, the less they can run. I mean, that's. But they still try and it's not yeah. it ain't pretty. Like, look at, like when Ben Roethlisberger, every time he tries to run, I'm like, boy, please, you need to stop. <laughs> like, you oh. are engine like on age 50. You have children. Like, stop. <laughs> Love the flow we're going at here. Just going to pin a couple comments from our uh, fellow Falcon, or not fellow, but uh, good Falcons fan friend, Noah Dibler. Congrats on the win, fellas. Thank you, Noah. Um, I'm still curious as to why your profile picture is a downwards falcon i guess so. it's it's drinking so yeah. the falcons aren't that great so i think it's a depressed falcon listen we he's can't. got the braves let him be he yeah. let him enjoy his brave world series unfortunately <laughs> we can't say much because they they ruined eli manning day um but yeah they did that's why i only own an lt jersey true it's smart it's very it smart sense. fashion show next week hank <laughs> uh all the jerseys. The fashion shows that I have only consist of Yankees, Rangers, Giants jerseys there. So. <laughs> Shout out Hank's mom. Uh, let's see. Well, So I think the next question I have to ask you regard mm-hmm. also relies on the offense. And so obviously we've both established that Freddie Kitchens is definitely an upgrade. Well, albeit not a massive upgrade, but an upgrade nonetheless. And, what were some of the differences that you two noticed in the offense since the Giants got rid of Garrett? We saw fl- we saw a flea flicker. <laughs> that was fun. We saw a wristband on Daniel Jones's arm or an armband. Yeah. Um, I think it's really too early to tell a lot of the differences, and I think that's just being fair. What I like about Freddie Kitchens, though, coming in um, is just his offensive knowledge in general. Um, and obviously, Jason Garrett has offensive knowledge, but I, I go back to um, Freddie Kitchens's days at in Arizona. He was there for like ten years, and he did running backs, tight ends, and quarterbacks. So he hit every part offensively on the field. So with the Giants, he's tight end. And then now they gave him this title of like senior offensive person, like whatever. But let him now guide our running backs. Let him guide Daniel Jones. I like that his experience stems to different groups of the offense and being, you know, honed in on that. And I like him coming in now as the offensive coordinator and making these decisions for us. And I think the relationship between him and Daniel Jones will be a little bit better if Daniel Jones has to make a split decision on the field if something doesn't go right. I felt with Jason Garrett, he couldn't do that. And the ball was going way wide out of bounds. He was getting sacked, like panicking, because I'm not running the play that Garrett told me to run. I think with Kitchens, he's going to have a little bit more freedom and open to make really cool decisions. So again, I think it's a little too early to tell differences but based on past experiences i'm i'm i like what i've seen from freddie kitchens uh prior to um being named the offensive well interim offensive coordinator for us they were they were spreading the ball around pretty well um it's like Jared could barely find it not wrong yeah um they were spreading the ball around this past weekend you know, the, I was like, holy crap, there's Darius Slayton out from hibernation. Like, who, you know, you yeah. think he wasn't even on the team anymore. Obviously, we need to get Galladay more involved. He was getting some looks on Sunday as well. 
Um, you know, I like some of the some of the plays where they just had Daniel go for it, and I know that makes Caitlin really nervous. I, every time that he well, now he's got a neck injury. Obviously, what happened with getting injured, <laughs> but he honestly is like one of our top offensive weapons, yeah. and we've seen this season that the guy can throw, he can run, and he can catch. Mm-hmm. So it's like let him do it all. I'm fine with it. <laughs> so as long as he can stay healthy, that's the key. But um, I like some of the plays that they called where it was just like. All right, Daniel, it's you. Just go. Go for it. Um, whoever it's going to be, Freddie Kitchens in the future, uh, somebody else, we need to have – we need to let Daniel Jones be a deep ball thrower because he's one of the most accurate in the league when he is given the opportunities to mm. do so and nobody for whatever reason allows him or calls the plays for that to happen. Let right. Danny dime, people. Let him, let him dime. dime. Throw those dimes, baby. And to both of your points, just to piggyback off of one thing on Freddie Kitchens, he didn't have – granted, he didn't really have Kadarius Tony because, you know, he's been pretty much injured the whole season. He didn't have Sterling Shepard. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't have Kyle Rudolph or Caden Smith. And Hank knows this, but I may be I – I feel like I'm in the minority when I say this. Caden Smith is the most important tight end on this team. And here, here, here <laughs> you're not wrong. You're not wrong. He's no, the I'm best not. run blocking tight end that we have. And he has so much chemistry with Daniel He's Jones. He's a tight end, like a, a, yeah. from start to finish, a tight end. And like, this that's is why it is. makes their, I hope they let Evan Ingram walk at this point. They really should have pushed harder to try to trade him, but I understand why they did it because uh, they're trying to save their jobs. So, Caden Smith had really good chemistry his rookie year with Daniel Jones. And look yes. at the tight ends we've had in the past. Kevin Boss, Jake Ballard. They were uh, no names. Martellus Bennett. Brandon mm-hmm. Myers. I mean, Brandon Myers wasn't good, but uh, that's going a little too <laughs> I was going to say, there. you're really pulling in that, that yeah. one. <laughs> um, but those names, Bear Pasco, even. Like, yeah. you know. Smith is probably better than most of those guys. Maybe not Kevin Boss, but he former fifth round pick let right. him start next year and if you keep rudolph if you want to keep his insanely large deal keep him as tight end too i mean you don't need to put all this money on the skill players where the trenches are what you really need to focus on and the fact that freddie kitchens was able to diversify the ball without those weapons in there really speaks volumes to his play calling you yep. know because Barkley was getting stumped left and right. I think he had more negative runs than positive runs. So it really poses me to ask you both this question. Who are you looking at specifically if you had to pick one player to step up and make a play on this offense? Because right now, Tony and Galladay each have no touchdowns. It reminds me of that 2004 year where not a single wide receiver, I think, scored a touchdown. That, that was really sad, by the way. It was either 03 or 04, but – who are each of you looking at specifically? I would love if our tight end crew came back, you know, one of them. You know, I loved when Kyle Rudolph score recently, but it was just so vibrant and it was like explosive, like absolutely yeah. loved it. It's what we needed. Um, and that position has been so like Evan Ingram is not a tight end. Like he doesn't act like one. He doesn't block like one. He's not a tight end in my opinion. So we've been missing such a crucial part of an offense um, in that area. So I was happy. We, we we're big Caden Smith fans, but I was happy to bring on Rudolph, finally get some more depth in there, but not using them. But I guess, you know, 
with injuries as we move into the next game and a couple, you know, I think it's got to be Galladay and I think we have to target him and it's not necessarily his fault for no plays because the ball's not really going to him. So I think he definitely needs to be the one to explode. Unfortunately, I feel as though the giant safety blanket, the guy who's going to make the plays like when you really need them is the guy who's always hurt. And that's Sterling Shepard. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, if he's not healthy and he's not around, I got to be honest with you. Like, I want the ball in Daniel Jones's hands. If you got to be the one to run it, that's fine by me. Like, Caitlin and I text every single game. And every time they're like on the goal line, I always tell her, I'm like, fake the handoff to Saquon. Daniel, take Just it yourself. Take it. Go, go, go. Because like, as crazy as it is, he's the one that I trust the most right now. So I, I'm going to go Daniel Jones and if healthy, Sterling Shepard. Awesome. By the way, yeah. Tom, I was just uh, taking a look out of curiosity. You're right. the 2000, It was the 014 because I, I was like mind boggled when I saw both Hilliard <laughs> and Toomer didn't have a touchdown. But I don't know. I just love looking at numbers of old school giant teams and I love keeping random stats <laughs> in my head. Caitlin can tell you I'm the same way. I'm like a stat weirdo. So yeah. I'm all about it. In, in any event. Random stats. <laughs> Love in it. any event, I think um, I think you kind of have an idea as to how Tom and I feel about Joe Judge. I think he definitely deserves to stay another year. What about you two? Are you two on the same page as us? Yeah, yeah I would like him to stay. It's interesting. We talk about this a lot on our show that quarterbacks and head coaches these days are just on the chopping block as soon as they step on the field for the right. first time. Um, and it's terrifying. Like, I imagine, like your job, like your day-to-day job, like you walk in and that first day, if you don't do something right, that's it. We're out of here. Like that's not how like the real world works. And I don't know why the NFL has turned into this. Like if you can't turn it around after 365 days, it's just, it's insane. So, um, I, I, I think I agree. And I think I saw it in one of the comments on the show, like people tune out when he does his press conferences. Uh, He's a little yeah. annoying on his press conferences. I will, but I like that. Just like the, like the vibe that he brings to the team of like this, no nonsense. Like, you know, I don't think I've ever seen him smile to be honest. <laughs> like that's fine with me. Like I just, uh, yeah. I, and exactly. And this comment up here and the, those people are probably the biggest idiots in the world. Like, look at where you are now as a, you know, a Seattle franchise. Like, so yeah, I don't, I definitely don't want to see him out the door. And I just, I think that would actually be awful for the giants organization. We've let go of four different coaches over the past X amount of years or three or four, like, let's just keep one and just move along, just move along people. It's not, it's not completely broken. I know people don't want to accept that we really aren't that broken. So just, I like Joe judge. I think the players respect him. And I think that's mm-hmm. like, honestly, a huge part of the equation for any NFL head coach. Like you have to have, you have to have the guys want to go out and fight for you. And I feel yeah. like the guy, like, I feel like the New York giants players like Joe judge, they want to fight for him. They want to win for him. Um, going into this season, I think it was more so like Jason Garrett was on the hot seat. Gettleman's on the hot seat. I think Gettleman will be gone at the end of the season. Let's keep Joe judge in place. Let's, uh, you know, we're probably going to end up with two first round top 10 picks. Mm -hmm. Let's let Joe judge stick with it. New GM, see what they can do drafting players that, you know, he wants, and I, I don't think there's any reason to, to give him the boot. And I think like, 
it would be pretty crazy. Garrett gone, Gettleman gone, Joe Judge gone. We need some kind of familiarity to stay within the organization. A and we're such a young team, too. The team is continuity. Yeah. 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 I I'm I'm completely in agreement with that. Listen, like yeah. and look, I'm not saying Joe Judge is perfect by any stretch. No. He has made some calls this year that had me scratching my head and maybe screaming at the TV. Right. But look, at no point do I think the guy do do I think there's really any legit reason that the guy should be fired? I mean, yeah, you know, he's done a better job with this team than the last few coaches, if, if I'm being honest with you. Like, mm-hmm. he's trying to establish, like, a bit of a culture change. And, yeah. look, I don't yeah. disagree with people's takes about his press conferences. Like, <laughs> I get the same vibes I did whenever I watch Elaine Vigneault talk. I don't know if you guys follow the Rangers. But, like, whenever he would say <laughs> stuff in press conferences, like, I, I get that same feeling. But at the same time, he's not a guy that I feel like I, – I just think that he is a better control of the locker room and better control mm-hmm. of what's going on than the last two guys did. Yes. and. I'd rather give him another year too. I don't really want want my team to get into a vicious cycle of like firing a coach yeah. every couple of years because then because then you're headed into dysfunctional territory. And yes. as much as I get the calls for like wanting a quarterback, because at the end of the day, we know that this is a quarterback's league. Right. You want some stability at that position too. And you know, if maybe after a couple of years, like we see that like maybe he's not, then maybe you can talk to me about that too. But you know what? Unfortunately, fair or not, that's the New York sports media. That's how fans are. It's kind of toxic at times, and I hate hearing it, but I've just gotten used to that fact. And at the end of the day, we know that, like, we know at the end of the day, ownership is going to do the right thing and give them another year or two, and then we can determine whether or not they really are the answer. New, New York media is so tough, like you said. Two guys that can handle it, Joe Judge and Daniel Jones. Mm-hmm. They can yep. handle it. So, yep. Absolutely. Couple comments, Patrick Kacharski. The comment section <laughs> Go Saints. We'll be Saints fans tonight. Go Absolutely. Saints. Absolutely. Um, Go Saints. Yeah, such complicated NFC East scenarios coming up yeah. since the NFC East is crammed up. Yeah, I mean Giants are in last, but only by half a game. So. Yep. so to quote to quote Jim Carrey, so you're telling me there's a chance. <laughs> Patrick, if you like the Giants, make sure a little uh drop here. Make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel at Big Blue Avenue. A lot of content we like to put up there. And Steve, look, I always respect your opinions, man, but this one, come on. A fake Belichick impersonation. I don't know about that one. I don't think he's faking. I don't think he's doing a Belichick no, impersonation. No, I, I think Steve's Joe Judge is just like a yeah. a tough guy. He just but yeah, yeah I, listen, a lot of his pressers are a little annoying, but you gotta get past that. I'm not uh, liking a head coach for how he does press conferences. Right. That's not like win me a damn game. That's all I care about. Right. They're, they're not judged on their public speaking skills, nor well, should well, they. Exactly. Look at no, Bill Belichick. He doesn't talk. He barely yeah. speaks and he just wins games for them. Cool. We're on to Cincinnati. We're on to Cincinnati. On to this. So, <laughs> I want to kind of get a gist on Miami here and Katie and Caitlin, uh, just want to ask both of you, what challenges do you think they present offensively? Obviously, with Devontae Parker on IR, that's one less weapon that the Giants have mm-hmm. to worry about. But mm-hmm. what challenges do they present? Because they have some good, young, talented players on their roster. In fact, one that the Giants were potentially considering drafting in the first yeah. round this past mm-hmm. offseason. Well, they've, I got, know. <laughs> they've, got, uh, they've got the 31st 
ranked running uh, running offense right now. So I'm not yeah. nervous about that. I'm of course they nervous. still have a run game though. It's not great. They have one at least. It can definitely be stopped. It can definitely handle. <laughs> Um, what I'm obviously ner- nervous about is Mr. Waddle. He's going to be a challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, what scares me the most, though, about him and about his game, I actually, I, again, I'm a stat nerd too. So he's 18th in receiving yards right now, um, but he's also ranked 18th in yards after catch. Yeah. Now, when a wide receiver is a yards after catch guy. Like I always think this is why, like I absolutely love a guy like Debo Samuel. Um, when you are a yards after catch guy, you're always going to scare the crap out of me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's going to be, he's going to be the main challenge for the giants defense. But, you know, with a guy like Parker out, all you have to do is really, and, and like I said, I don't really like their run game. So if you can contain Waddle and you can shut him out of this game, I feel pretty good about it defensively. Yeah, the Giants do have a hard time making full tackles, though. So that is point in case right there, Katie, of what you said, that he's a a yard after catch. We need to actually take him down then. Like, the Giants are all over the field. There's always, like, three guys there, but – it's these sloppy tackles and these sloppy like backhands, like on the back of, of players and like trying to pull their Jersey. Like I need you to bear hug, you know, these guys and yeah. like take them down. Like, so I, I agree fast, with you there. He's fast too. He's a fast guy. So he's that's- very fast. Um, you know, he's almost, he's not built like a running back, but he is like a very interesting sized wide receiver and he's very fast. And, um, I just, I mean, I obviously loved watching him for <laughs> every oh, year in Alabama. Um, and I would have loved to have had someone like him. But yeah, I mean, I think so too. Like he's not, you know, the only offensive player making plays for them. I think with their run game too, you know, some of their backs are actually kind of forming into receivers. So you do have that like dual threat there, which is always an interesting dynamic yeah. for um, an offense to have when you have your running backs jumping up and making these, you know, receiving, taking, getting these receiving yards like up the field. So that to me scares me a little bit too. Gasicki is built like a wide receiver as well. Like yeah, he's yeah. not really like a true tight end. And we can't cover them either. We can't cover tight ends. Last yeah. week we did, but that was a rarity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Mike Gasicki will be their other, like, I think right. big weapon in the game. I agree a hundred percent. I mean, Tay Crowder is our linebacker one. That pretty much defines the whole story of this season. We have two mm-hmm. defensive captains on season ending IR, no Blake. Yeah. The Giants need so bad. Oh, we love Blake Martinez. I love Blake too. Too. I think Hank has a jersey of his actually, right? That was another jersey. If he comes back and signs, I will get his jersey too. He's got a That was a Christmas gift last year. I will not draft I will not draft the linebacker's jersey right now. The longest tenured linebacker the Giants have had since LT was Chase Blackburn. Oh. I, 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 literally, <laughs> I, I mean, sorry. that's and I love Chase Blackburn. Don't get me wrong, right. not to re- reminisce, but yeah, that's the longest tenured linebacker since Lawrence. We had Taylor. Antonio Pierce for a while, he yeah. was pretty solid. Yeah, yeah. 05 05 to 09. Yeah. 09. Blackburn was oh my 05. god, it feels longer. I feel like we had Pierce for 05 that. to 10. He spent time as a substitute teacher, so that's why was, I respect Chase Blackburn. Yeah, and then he yeah. came and then he came, and he came back, back and made 11, that big catch 11, over Gronk and Super Bowl. Killed 
Anyway, um, Jalen Waddell and Mike Jasicki, I think, have been key elements to Miami's passing game. And yeah. Adoree Jackson is the one corner that I think is really good at not missing tackles. I know he's missed a couple throughout the course of the season, but from what I've noticed, he was really good in the Kansas City game, right, uh, mm-hmm. against Tyreek Hill uh, at times. And then, you know, who who steps up? Because Darnay Holmes is out. We mentioned Aaron Robinson because the Giants were He adjusting. had a great game against Philly. Yeah. Those two, uh-huh. you know, he made that deci- those uh, like end of the game decisions there, really knocking those out. So if he him. steps up again, um, and I think it was because Julian Love had a phenomenal game as well. Um, and I yeah. think he was like quoted after the game just saying, you know, Robinson is v- a very smart player um, and he yeah. knows when he has to make, you know, these big game time decisions. So I think in this game, he's going to have to make, you know, some deal breakers for us and he's going to do it at the right time. So I can see him coming out strong this week for us. I agree with that for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, I like Aaron Robinson a lot. Third round pick that we traded up Mm -hmm. to get. I think due to the landscape of the NFL, more of a passing league now, you need more defensive backs, right? And Mm -hmm. it's a shame that Rodarius Williams went on IR because he was looking like he might be okay. Um, you know, obviously young corners go through growing pains and Aaron Robinson is a guy, at least I'm a big college football buff as well. And my good buddy's a UCF fan where Robinson went to school. Robinson doesn't commit penalties. He mm-hmm. comes in on corner blitzes and he fits the press man scheme that the giants are trying to build with Patrick Graham. Everyone's like, what the hell happened to our defense? The first five, six weeks of the season, when you're learning a new scheme, it's going to take time to get adjusted to. I mean, you have to kind of see behind the lines a little bit that it's not going to look the exact same way it did the first couple weeks of the season. Now that they've learned the scheme and the players are billing into the system, now the defense looks better than what it did at 2020. I mean, Eagles were held to seven points. They were they put up 40 or 30 against Kansas. Oh, Kansas City's defense is not good. <laughs> that was a bad analogy there, but – um yeah, at least that's how I feel. And we're getting Logan Ryan back, though. Yeah, so. that's great. Big news, big news. Yes. Huge. So quickly here, ladies, I want to get a key to the game from each of you, and Hank, you as well. Um, key to the game for the Giants uh, on how they win this game. Um, and uh, Katie, if you want, we'll start with you on this one. I think they're going to have to win it defensively again. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, obviously, if Daniel Jones is not starting at quarterback, it's going to have to be the defense. Miami, like we talked about, they're on this win streak. Obviously, they didn't play like phenomenal teams, but they are on this win streak. But I think they're on this win streak because of their defense. Um, This is going to be a defensive battle between these two teams. And We'll see who comes out on top. I, like I said, I still like our chances, regardless of whatever quarterback we've got going. Um, I know people have even been like, is this going to be a game that Saquon finally breaks out? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> one um, can only hope. <laughs> one can only hope, but this is going to have to be one defensively for sure. Um, I don't know how specifically like defense wise, like what the exact key is, but I think it's a defensive battle between these two teams. Yeah, I agree. I think we can't be down at, at halftime. 
we have to go into halftime leading. Um, that really helped us against the Eagles. I thought they were going to be up by half, but our defense did come out and stop them. So we were, you know, going into halftime, you know, being up. And that's something we've struggled with all season. I think before last week, we were down every game going into halftime. I don't, you know, as much as the Giants can show us that they can come back and they can make these wild, you know, fourth quarter comebacks. I don't want to do that. I don't like when they do that. They make mistakes when they do that, even though they pulled off wins, you know, going into overtime with the Saints, things like that. But it's also made mistakes when we lost to Washington, lost to the Falcons, things like that. So we need to be, you know, a, a big breaker for us is that we have to be up at halftime. Absolutely. I both agree with those keys. Hank, what's your key to the game? Uh, what do you think I'm going to say? I'm well, you say the right same thing every week. I mean, come Get on. Off it's been third down. But in this case, it's a legitimate concern because you've got you've got guys like Jalen Waddle and Mike Gazicki who are like legitimate weapons that Tua mm-hmm. has. And we know he likes to check down to his running backs. Gaskin, 43, 212, and four touchdowns. Like, mm-hmm. that's, I think that's probably just as much of a legitimate concern as in most weeks. But Yes, as Tom mentioned, that's always my favorite key to the game because I always say one of the things that really swings a game is defense taking care of like taking care of things on third down. Yeah, absolutely. And to your point about getting off the field on third down, uh, Miles Gaskin, those four touchdowns, I think, Caitlin, you brought this up earlier. Gaskin has four touchdown receptions. Tua yeah. loves to check down. He loves to throw to the run. It was either it was one of you that brought it up. I'm like, yeah, this is very relevant in this game. If they can't throw the ball downfield, who's gonna get Gaskin down in the passing game? So that's that's definitely big. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you know, it was important. The Giants and Miami are defenses are both hot right now. The Giants forced four turnovers last week. Miami forced three, so I think the turnover battle is gonna be key. But for me. It is win the battle in the trenches. Devontae Booker, and this is really sad, 340 rushing yards through 12 weeks leads the team. That, that That's pathetic. Yeah. Um, Miami, not much better. Gaskin, only two touchdowns. And we both talked about it earlier, Hank. Jalen Phillips, Emmanuel Ogba can rush the quarterback. So personally, I mean, I guess we can all ask each other this question right now. Yeah, I mean, we know Austin Johnson and Danny Shelton are. I mean, Dan, Danny Shelton's just bad. Austin Johnson's okay, but he can't be your number one. One those, that's just we got to draft a defensive tackle early next year, and then we'll have him for four years, and we'll re- repeat the cycle like we have for the past twenty years. But anyway, but a little off track. Like, how does our O line match up against their pass rush and defensive line in the trenches? Not just in the running game, but in the passing game as well, because we don't even know who's going under center on Sunday. It's like two completely uh, different game plans. If Jones is playing, he's going to be running a little. If Glennon's playing, he's going to be pocket passing. So we really don't know what to expect, and the line is going to have to adapt to whoever's under center. Yeah, I don't know. I think I fear that's why I fear a little bit with Mike Lennon going under center because, you know, Daniel Jones can take the hits left and right. And it doesn't I mean, I think in Tampa, it affected his game. I think we all saw that. But it really doesn't like he'll still go out there. He's very much like Eli. He'll still go. He'll still produce no matter how bad his line sucks. And they're coming after him and taking him down. 
Mike Lennon, though, like, I don't know. Like, I don't want to see him get taken down for the fifth time and then just completely lose it. And then complete the whole game is just completely shot there. So I don't know how the line's going to match up. Um, it's something, you know, week after week. And I see there's always that picture out on Twitter the day after of, like, someone looking absolutely stupid on our offensive line, whether they're running into someone else on the line or Nate Solders all the way over here oh. and here's a huge yeah, gap. And handle. Daniel Jones just kind of like, oh, my God, what do I do? Like, it's really not that hard. You're all like 300, 400 pounds. Just stand. It's literally called an offensive line. Stand in a line and block your quarterback. It's really not that difficult. So I, that's... I think Billy Price takes the cake, though, for offensive line memes this season. <laughs> He's They're all bad. <laughs> but that's the thing. Like, Miami's defense, they're coming. Like, yeah. they're going to be blitzing. They, mm-hmm. they have a 42% blitz rate. They're it's blitzers. the highest in the NFL. They're that's coming. And – The thing is, like Daniel Jones versus Mike Lennon, yes, Mike Lennon is a strictly, he is a pocket passer. So at least if Daniel is playing and they're coming after him, he can Houdini and he can try to get out of it. Mike Lennon, it's not going to happen. It could potentially get ugly on that front uh, if we have him under center. So Mm -hmm. I'm definitely nervous about it. And Miami does have a good pass rushing team. So we'll see. So, ladies, just a couple more questions from Hank and I. And, um, again, these are the real football fans of New Jersey. They've been awesome uh, uh, on with us here tonight. I'm getting distracted because Dallas is about to kick off shortly. (laughs) So, uh, if I can get a player to watch from everybody, one from the Giants, one from Miami, that you're keying in on in this game, and it doesn't have to be the best player, like most important to winning this game for each team. Mm, good question. I know. Uh, for the Giants, I'm going to keep the momentum going with Xavier McKinney. Um, he has just continues to elevate week after week. Um, and, you know, it's going to be a big defensive game, as we all have been talking about for the last hour. Um, if he can keep, you know, if he gets a couple more interceptions for us, I think that would be great. Um, and then on Miami's side, you know, I'm going to, you know, Put it in uh, the hands. You know, Tua's got to step up. You know, he's got to do his thing. I think it's been a little upsetting um, for the past couple of weeks. And, like, who knows? Like, he might not even be playing on Sunday. <laughs> but because there's always so much weirdness with Miami and Jacoby Brissett and him. So, but if he is starting, um, which I hope he is, um, he's just got to step it up. And, you know, it's going to come out for that team to play a little bit better offensively, but that Jalen Waddle to a connection uh, could really do them wonders. Yeah. Like, I mean, like I said, I think it's going to be a defensive battle between these two teams. So I'm looking on the defensive side of the ball for both. Uh, You know, who's like, he's still having a really good season, but you know, who's been like a little bit quiet, at least compared to last season that I'd really love to, watch uh kill it for the giants this sunday is leonard williams Mm. i'd really like to see him get into the mix a little bit more obviously uh we had you know at the cornerback position safety position guys were really stepping up last week but i want to see leonard williams get after mr tua and honestly on the other side of things obviously because we're talking about you know potentially our quarterbacks getting sacked i'm paying attention i'm keying in on jalen phillips he leads Miami right now with six and a half sacks on the year um, coming as advertised, obviously a first round draft pick. And he's already producing as a rookie looking really well. We need to be able to stop him and contain him because if not, he can have another big day. Yeah. All right. Absolutely. So for Thank my players to watch, I've got 
for the for the Giants. I'm going to go with Aaron Robinson for the Giants, and the reason being, yes, Xavier McKinney had a great game, but I think Aaron Robinson definitely was just as important in that win. Yep. Broke up the key play in the end zone, six tackles, two passes defended. He he's going to have to step it up because we know Darnay Holmes is probably going to be done for the rest of the season. And I think at this point, it was it was pretty much inevitable that he was going to have his moment where he had to step up. But now with Darnay Holmes being gone, prob- probably for the remainder of the season, I think this is going to be his time to shine. So I'm going to definitely go with Aaron Robinson. And as far as Miami Dolphins go, look, Mike Gesicki is a tight end. We mentioned that those short passes to him are going to be a threat. Got to give it to him. He leads the Dolphins with 11 big plays. 52 catches, 596 yards, and a couple of touchdowns. Definitely low-key got to watch out for him. Yeah. 11 big plays. Yeah, that's that's definitely a good like one. Like um, so you took my Giants player to watch, but I'll, I'll think of something else. I think um, a guy I really want to see more out of this week, I mean, the obvious choice would be Galladay, but I'm actually going to go really deep into the roster here. I think – Ellerson Smith could potentially have an impact on this game. We talked about the youth movement at the edge rusher position. Mm-hmm. Um, Ojolari and Roche have pretty much unseated Zimenez and Carter as the starters. And I think yeah. Ellerson Smith, yeah. now that he's healthy, whether we talked about earlier, all these special teams players, Carter Coughlin's not back yet. Who's going to step up on special teams? Ellerson Smith could make a play or two. Um, I also think third down situations, getting a pass rush in there. Miami doesn't has they don't have as much tape on Ellerson Smith as they do Ojalari and Roche right now. So I think that's a player to watch. And for the Dolphins, you know, we all talked about offense and obviously, you know, quarterbacks, but I'm gonna go Javon Holland, safety, 2021 second round pick from the safety position, seven passes defended two sacks and two picks on the year. And not to mention, he does not give up many passing yards at all. He is the seventh ranked safety on PFF. Um, he's been outstanding. I mean, you could pretty much go like that, that whole Dolphins defense because yeah. they're really good. I was going to say, the Dolphins really shaped up in the 2021 draft, didn't yeah. they? <laughs> Zayvon Howard uh, yeah. is a guy too. Corner Byron Jones, yeah. they signed. I mean, a lot of weapons on there. Defense, couple comments here before we get into our last question. Uh, Patrick says, thanks, love Big Blue, born to a G-Men fan, a fan since 1979. Wow. Um, great show. Brooklyn native, but living in Philly. Uh, I am starved for Giants commentary. Oof. That's rough. Um, well, we're giving it to you here tonight, hey, Patrick. Listen, I know another – I have another good friend who – lived in New York for pretty much most of his life and he had to move to Philly to be closer to family. So we I'm know a Cowboys fan. Not from Philly. Yep. Uh, yeah, that's uh, Joe judge has a bit of understanding how to play against Miami coming from new England. This is a, a very good, point. good And from a special team standpoint too, um, our special teams actually big shout out to them against the Eagles. Uh, they had a great game against the Eagles. It was something that kind of slid under the radar. Um, it, it, they, they showed up, so let's see what you know what we can do this week. And I think that's a phenomenal point that uh, that viewer just brought up. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's why I brought up Ellerson Smith because I think Colin Gillespie is still hurt. Um, I, I know Elijah Penny and Gary Brightwell are used on special teams. You know, that's it's very underrated uh, part of football. Yeah. Um, so. 
Yeah, that's pretty much where I'm going to go. Javon Holland and Ellerson Smith. And Hank, we have one last question. You want to ask? Yes, for sure. So, Caitlin, I think I know what you're going to say, but Katie, I'm going to start with you on this question. Okay. If you could take one player from the Dolphins, who would it be? Um, I mentioned his name just before that I'm going to be keeping an eye on him. I think I would go Jalen Phillips and I'm going to go with him because of youth. Like if you could already be coming in as a rookie and you're already crushing it, then that's pretty promising to me. And when you can get good young players like that, I would say him or Xavier Howard. Um, he's obviously been stellar throughout the, throughout the league for a long time now. So those would probably be my two. Yeah, so I would take Waddle. Um, no, I wasn't going to. Jalen Waddle was also one of my boys oh, yeah, at yeah, Bama. Yeah, so yeah. a more recent boy at Bama. So um, definitely Waddle. And, you know, Katie had brought up before, you know, he's in the top 18 for receiving yards. He's the only rookie in that top 18. All of the other, you know, and he's 700 plus yards on the season for touchdowns. So and for him to be in that top 18 and the only rookie, um, in there is great. You know, he's doing phenomenal things. Um, and just like what you had said, you know, for the defensive players, the, the youth, I love that in a, a good wide receiver coming out and doing big things for, you know, a, a quarterback position that's been up in the air in 50, 50 this whole season for them. So good for you, Jalen coming out and doing big things for them. So I, it's a, the giants, <laughs> put on like nine wide receivers to our roster this year. And we're still trying to figure out how the hell to use them. So I'd love to have a guy like him come on. So, and no, I wouldn't take Tua. I do love Tua though. He's my boy forever. So I wish him better seasons to come. Yes. Hank, who are you taking? I'm going to go with Jalen Phillips. I'm going to go with Jalen Phillips as well. He's another edge rusher. Lord knows we've needed more of those. We we haven't had an edge rusher in like, Five years, I think. Yeah. I, this really wasn't too hard of a choice. I got to go with Phillips. Although yeah. Waddle is another excellent choice, I have to say. So I'm going to go with – this is this is tough. I mean, I'm a Notre Dame fan, so I love Liam Eikenberg. And we can just really use an offensive lineman, and he's a rookie starting left tackle yeah. for them who can play right tackle. So I think he would be an upgrade over Solder and Matt Pert, but uh, – we could really use a tackle too, like Christian Wilkins, who's mm-hmm. on a contract year yeah. to stuff the run, to help stop the run. I mean, not that Miami has much of a run game anyway, just in general, moving forward, that would be a guy I'd steal. So I would steal one of those two. But if I had to pick one, I'd probably lean I'd probably lean Eichenberg just because our line is just so, so bad. It's not good. It's yeah. really bad. Not good. Not good at all. But uh <laughs> Now, all right, so the Giants are one and four on the road, and uh, pretty much let, let's just predict this game before we have you both sign off here tonight. We'll, we'll give our predictions, and you can give a score if you want. Um, and Caitlin, we'll start with you here on this one. Uh, I know I got a little sneak peek before on social media, so I, I know uh, <laughs> both of you are taking over. <laughs> yep, I know I'm not going to give anything away to the viewers, but you give a – maybe a roughly estimated score prediction. Sure. Well. So um, I am picking the Giants this weekend. Um, and I think, you know, the theme of this conversation between the four of us is that it will be a defensive game. So I don't think the score will be too, too low, but let's go with 2017 New York Giants. 
I'm Probably. I'm going with Miami. Obviously, there's a huge question mm -hmm. at quarterback, so mm -hmm. that's going to play an influence once we find that out. But that's going to be like a game time decision, it seems like. But I am going with Miami, and I do think, like I said, I've been saying it this whole time, defensive battle. I could see a score like 17-13, 17-10. It's, it could be a pretty boring game, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. It's not gonna, not gonna be too many fireworks. I don't think. You know what? I took a risk last week picking the Giants. You know it. Screw it. I'm gonna do it again. <laughs> I'm gonna say Giants win. Uh, let's say 23 to 16. Okay. All right. Like that, and you know what? It's the law of averages is telling me to pick Miami in this game. They, they've won four in a row, but I think their luck is going to stop this week. I think the giants are going to be well-prepared. Um, I'm not very confident in saying this, but I said it last week. I'm not very confident in picking the giants to beat the Eagles and they wound up winning. But uh, as much as, as I'm going to pick the giants final score, this is going to be ugly. This is uh, I'm going, I'm going 13 10. Giants Oof. win. Uh, another 13. Too, close. Yeah. Too low and close for me. <laughs> yeah. I, I just don't think either offense is going to provide much. I mean, yeah. I, that the 10 points, our defense is playing very well. But yeah. Well, maybe some of our interceptions will turn into pick sixes. Maybe we'll get some nice there. So that would be great. <clears throat> Absolutely. Um, or maybe or maybe uh the MVP Graham Gano just comes out and kicks like a hundred field goals. goals. I have him on fantasy, so if he kicks a hundred field goals, I'll be happy. So <laughs> Patrick says 17-14 G Men. Um, yeah, I think we all agree it's gonna be pretty low scoring. Yeah. yeah. Katie, I do agree, but there's a good chance Miami might come out on top in this game. I just don't want to admit it live on air. But um, <laughs> I'm always willing to admit it. I'm usually the negative Nancy of the bunch, so <laughs> No worries, but uh, anything either of you would like to add? Um, if it, also, if you could plug your podcast one more time, we really appreciated having both of you come on and take the time to talk to us for an hour tonight. And this has been awesome. Yeah, yeah. I'll let Caitlin do the plug because she's good <laughs> at that. But I, I do want to ask one question for you guys before we go. Sure. Um, I know we talked about like how do we feel about Joe Judge? How do we feel about the future with Daniel Jones? I am very adamant and I have been for the last two seasons that I really want the Giants to trade Saquon Barkley. And I'm curious on your thoughts with that. Do you agree? Do you disagree? What do you see coming from that? Thank you. Go first. Cause my, president you know what, <laughs> if you had asked me this question, maybe a couple of years ago, I probably would have been like, what? But like, <laughs> the more I think about it, it's really not as far-fetched as you might think. And, you know, Tom, I know you're probably not going to agree with me. You might not like them saying this, but I honestly ha would have no problem trading him. I'm, yep, there, I said it. I'm, and I'm sorry to be admitting this. And that made a mistake. I like Saquon Barkley. I think the guy's talented, but the problem is, We've never been able to build a good team around him. I feel like he'd be better like somewhere else, and not. Yeah, but if he's a solid player like we wanted him to be, he'd be making plays for us. Yeah, he's no, no, not... no, you're right. You're right. <laughs> you're absolutely right. My other issue too, I would think twice before signing that guy to a big extension. 
Oh, hell yeah. You can't. The injuries. I would think twice about that. He doesn't deserve the money. No. Here's my thing, Hank. And I know you and I have had these discussions before. So I was a little surprised that you apologized to me because I I somewhat agree with you on this. I think Barkley, I want him on the team next year. I want him to play on that fifth-year option. He's going to have to. Mm -hmm. He doesn't have a choice, right? Mm -hmm. I don't want to trade him this offseason, but – has to play on that fifth-year option next year. And if we don't see any signs of life, then I think trading him would be a good idea. Um, but then again, what would his value be if he's still getting – obviously, I'm sure there's teams He's lowering it. That's the problem. One, yeah. more, one more serious yeah. injury and the he's value done. is out the window. And why pay a running back so well, much money? And we talked to a Cowboys fan who hates the Zeke contract, hates the Dak contract, and it – it's true. You're paying your stars this much money. You can't build a good team. Well, look at Dallas this give year Wayne, with Pollard. Give us Wayne Gallman. Give us Wayne Gallman. Yeah, give us Wayne Gallman. Bring him back. back. Four, Bring four him and back. a half yards of carry. I'll take Bring him back. Love him. Oh, the Wayne train. I miss it. <laughs> J- Brandon Jacob. Ahmad Bradshaw is a seventh-round pick, and he was a starter for a little bit. Like, yep. People argue you, know? you don't draft a running back in the first round, so. Yeah. <sighs> That wow. was a, a tough one. But, yeah, no, this was honestly great. Um, we truly appreciate you guys having us on. Uh, we love talking to fellow Giants fans because we're usually just talking and bitching to ourselves. So, um, But this is a great, like, strategic conversation between the four of us. Uh, we truly love it. So our plug-in. So we are the Real Football Fans of New Jersey. That is our official name. We are on all of your favorite podcast outlets. We are on Apple Podcasts. We are on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts. We're literally everywhere except for like, I don't think we're on iHeartRadio, but who's on that? I don't know. Like we're, I don't know who's on that one. We're literally everywhere though. On social media, um, on Facebook, you can just type in The Real Football Fans of New Jersey. You'll find us. Same thing with Instagram. Um, and then Twitter, we are at RFFNJ underscore. So that's how you can find us on Twitter and then YouTube as well. We're The Real Football Fans of New Jersey. Live streaming every Wednesday at 7.30 across Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Um, and you can just always join us on Instagram as well for fun content on a daily basis. We're always giving updates on what's going on around in the NFL, in college football. Hey, if you've got the lucky lady in your life who likes housewives, send her our way too because we're always dishing the dirt there. But yeah, so that's where you can find uh, the two of us. Absolutely. Well, uh, Katie, any anything you want to add on on that? I hope uh, I hope the three of you prove me wrong on Sunday, yeah. and I, I hope we get the W. So I'm always happy to be wrong. Uh, go Giants! And just really appreciate you guys having us on tonight. It was a lot of fun. Well, Caitlin, Katie, thank you so much. Appreciate your time. We'll have to chat again soon. This was a lot yeah, of fun. Absolutely. And uh, make sure to go check them out at the Real Football Fans of New Jersey, folks. Uh, Thank you both. Go Saints ball game. Go Saints. I know. Let's go, go Saints. Saints. New Orleans. Come on. Who <laughs> that? All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. So that was Caitlin uh, Brower and Katie Gagliardi. Um, they were. Uh, Tom's printer is fired up. It's actually not my printer. It's my girlfriend's printer. And today is her birthday. So that's why I'm in a different location. I just wanted to quickly shout her out for allowing me to do the show tonight in her room. Um, 
So shout out to her. Uh, really appreciate it. And happy birthday, Deanna. Uh, very happy birthday to you. Um, and there goes her dog. I, I, I think it's time. Maybe we should sign off. I think the dog's wishing her a happy birthday, too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Hank, any final thoughts you want to add? Listen, I I can't believe I'm taking the risk of picking the Giants again. But you know what? I just have that weird gut feeling. I think Miami, the law of averages dictates that Miami has to lose sooner or later. I'm pumped. But, Tom, as always, thanks again for having me on. Always enjoy talking football with you, my guy. And one more thing I have to say, let's go Big Blue. That's right. Folks, thanks so much for tuning in on Facebook Live tonight. Make sure to subscribe to us on all of our social media platforms below. YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We are there, folks. Thank you all very much. And one last time, let's go Big Blue. Yes, sir.